All right, now let's give a true round of applause to Jesus who's in this room right now. Come on. He's so worthy, so worthy of every bit of praise and honor. Lord Jesus, we just begin honoring you this morning, Lord, for the ability to come together and do what we're able to do to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to bring exhortation. Jesus, we just exalt you in this place this morning and say, Holy Spirit, truly, holy, from the bottom of our hearts, have your way in this place today, in this house today, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. I might have you stand in a couple minutes. You never know. We might just stand up and sit down all morning, help you warm up. I'm a Florida boy. I'm a Southern boy, and I am cold, y'all. I just, I told them this morning, my wife is like, what is wrong with you? You brought a jacket. Wear it. I'm like, I don't, I'm from the South. I don't really like wearing jackets all the time, but this morning, I was tired, and I woke up, and I'm like, man, I need, I need coffee, so I'm like, I'm going to walk over to Dutch Brothers, and I walked outside with a t-shirt on, and I'm like, <laughs> this prophet can't discern that it's freezing cold outside. So the message is be prepared at every moment for what you're going to face when you walk out the door. But I will tell you something funny real quick about the, the cell phones being turned off, or maybe Jesus could send you a message. One time my friend left his phone out. Um, and left it unlocked, which around me, I'm sorry, I'm a little mischievous sometimes. I might update your Facebook with something weird if you leave your phone out or, or something like that my friends have learned. But I took my friend's phone, and under my phone, um, under my contact, I saved it and put Jesus. So, like, later on, we were together, and I called him to where he couldn't see. And I'm like, bro, Jesus is calling you right now. You need to answer. So, <laughs> literally, you know, Jesus could call you, but... Isn't it good to laugh? You know, I want to encourage you with something. As we teach and as we train and as we equip you guys, my heart specifically is I want you to just relax. Like when we do this so many times, people feel so much pressure to, to kind of just instantly get and do and receive and, 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 and just be something or do something instantly. And a lot of the times when God just gives you something and teaches you something, it'll hit you as a small seed that he's eventually going to grow into this giant oak tree or this giant fruit tree that's eventually going to have fruit. But my heart is I don't want it to see anyone in here feel just nervous or scared or anything like that. I want you to really feel comfortable this morning. So can we do that this morning? Can we kind of shake our hands off a little bit, just relax a little bit? And just say that uh, this is a safe place to learn and be activated and, and begin to be stirred up. So I'm going to see what time it is so I can get this in my head. I'm excited about this morning. Um, we're going to do some training. We're going to do some activations here in just a little bit. And we, we, we love, love, love to do the activations. How many of you were here on Thursday when we did that activation? Did you guys enjoy that? It's fun. It's fun. And I think, I don't, ever, I don't know that I've ever met a prophet that if they're a true prophet, every time they minister or every time they prophesy, there's always going to be something that they do or God has them do that's really going to start to push you out of your comfort zone. It's like the innate nature of a prophet is to say, hey, you may feel a little bit comfortable there, but God's saying step out a little bit here. And we believe and have seen just all the time how God does that specifically through activations and things to help you to get to, to, to step out. But I want to share a few things with you, going to give you some scriptures, and I'm going to share with you 
if I can get to it. Y'all, I'm going to be honest. I'm not good at all at following my notes. I write notes all the time. I will spend hours and and just what feels like days in prayer, and I will uh, write things down, and man, I'll go back and read it, and I'm just like, man, this is going to be so powerful, and then I'll get up here in front of you, and I won't read one thing from it. It just, so I try to go by it, but my goal today is to try to get through this, to share with you the seven Ps of the prophetic, which is foundational. I think, it, I think it's something that we really need to understand the different aspects of the prophetic and what God does through this, and I want to share something with you first and foremost. One thing I love about God is the gifts and callings that he gives you that, that, that is his decision, it's his choice on the gifts and callings and the purposes that he placed on your lives. He could care less about your personality and how that gift or that calling or that purpose fits or adjusts to your personality and what you're comfortable with. So let me explain that. Let me unpack it, if you will, for a moment here. You know, we, we think about prophets, and a lot of people say, well, prophets can be hardcore. They can be very, uh, uh, I guess you could say some of them could be very, like what they see Old Testament prophets as, is very forceful or in your face or very direct and those types of things. And there's, there's true. I think there's a time for that. I, I, I've seen it. But for the most part, the, the, the view and the, 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 the way I see the prophetic is how Jesus was the prophet, where he walked around, walked this earth, and the way that he prophesied, what I love about it is you can always see the, the, the I guess you would say, shadows of the pastoral married with the prophetic as he prophesied and, and, and spoke the word of the Lord. So the way I usually teach is what God has done in our lives is the marrying of the pastoral and the prophetic. So there's a very strong word that God will give, a very clear word, a very piercing word, but with a pastoral heart to begin to help you understand that this word isn't meant to break you. It's not meant to cut you. It's not meant to shame you. It's not meant to, to break you down or push you down. But through the pastoral heart along with the prophetic, God begins to come alongside and, and, and walk with you hand in hand because God's not going to speak one thing to you that the Holy Spirit's not going to stand right there with you holding your hand each and every step of the way to begin to fulfill what has been spoken. And let me give you a few examples. We were talking about this last night with somebody, but it's funny in marriages, God, God just has an amazing way. Like when you're dating um, someone that, that you know you're going to marry them or you're engaged or something, you're in a phase that, that that person cannot do anything wrong. Has anybody ever been there? When you're dating, that other person is absolutely perfect. You know, when I was dating my wife before we were even engaged, Lord, I could not get to the car fast enough to open up the door for her, to help her put her seatbelt on, to do everything I could to be Prince Charming. I put the best of the best of what I could ever imagine of being to uh, be perfect to her. So we, we, we go through that phase and, and we just view this other person that there's just nothing they can do that's wrong in your eyes. It's just, it's a love and it's a... Uh, you look at them with rose-colored glasses, I guess you could say, with each and everything. And then you get married you, you, through the dating process, which the whole dating thing is a whole different subject that I won't talk about right now. Through the courting process, I guess you should call it, you, you begin to learn more things. 
that this person that you esteem so highly that can do nothing wrong starts to do some things that might get on your nerves a little bit. They start to say things that you wouldn't have said it that way and you saw the effect of what they did and felt like they did it wrong, but you're still just enough of in love and so much in that, that new phase with them that you don't care because they still just can't do anything wrong, you know? So we, we, we go through that. Those of y'all aren't married, you, you'll go through this when it, when it happens. So then, you know, you may get engaged and you start planning a wedding and you start meeting different family members. You start seeing the dynamics of why your, your future spouse is the way they are because you meet some of their craziest relatives that should be on an episode of Cops that came out of the backwoods with a tank top on. You know, you start to learn some things like, well, you know, is everything okay here? Is this going to work out all right? And as you begin to plan the wedding, nothing shows up. As it, nothing reveals how different you are as to when you start planning a wedding. And then opinions come out. Where are we going to get married? All these different things. So you start to realize, well, maybe this person's a lot different than I am. And you're like, I still love them. I, oh, my gosh, I would still do anything for them. But you start to realize, man, maybe they're a little bit different than I am. So then you get married. And marriage is an amazing, amazing thing to me. I've learned so much through marriage that kind of parallels your relationship with Jesus. And it's just, that's a whole nother teaching, a whole nother series I could go into. But it begins to reveal some things. Then you get married and then the rubber meets the road. That love is there. That passion is there. That excitement is there. It's fresh. It's new. You're, you're, then you start to talk about children. You start to talk about future. You start to talk about ministry or you start to talk about careers. And then you realize and when you turn and look at that other person that God has caused you to marry someone that is completely and totally opposite of you, completely from the very core of who they are, completely opposite. Then you learn the principle that God is just not just God, but he's Jehovah sneaky. <laughs> he is... He knows how, gosh, when iron sharpens iron, there is no iron like a, South, a woman from South Carolina because, y'all, they are strong. They are. Do you know? Come on. Can I get an amen? My wife is from South Carolina, so we got married, and I realized how different we were. And I was like, wow, I didn't know. I was seeing you through these rose-colored lenses, and I just, but it's okay because, you know what? I love you. We're in covenant. We're married. This is death to his part. We're going to learn together. We're going to grow together. We're going to, uh, you know, form a life together. So then life continues, and you just, it, it, to me, like, it, it, it just shows your relationship with Jesus. And I'll put it this way. You know, you can't fake things with Jesus. You can't. And you can't fake things with your spouse. You live with them. You are with them 24-7. They've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you may think you can pretend that you're hiding how you really feel, but women from South Carolina, you can't hide your feelings from them. There's a gift of discernment that's handed to them the moment that they're born, and there's a prophetic warrior mantle that God gives them at about three or four years of age that if they discern it, they start pulling that sword of the Spirit out and say, all right, it's time to deal. Let's deal with this. So my point is, my wife and I have been through a process where we are totally, completely opposite. My personality is I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to do things. I don't have to plan something in order to do it. If someone came up to me and it worked out with everything and they said, hey, let's go to Alaska tomorrow, I wouldn't think. I'd be like, hey, well, let's go. Let's have fun. 
My wife would roll over and pass out. If I said, we're going out of town, we're going to pack tonight and leave tomorrow, my wife would lose it. She is a accountant by heart. She used to be an accountant for, you know, if you've ever been to the West Coast and the Carolinas, there's a grocery store called Piggly Wiggly, um, and it's literally a pig with a little tail. This is real, y'all. There's Piggly Wiggly. She was an accountant bookkeeper, so her personality is very much like plan, know the numbers, know everything about it. So, gosh, I don't think she knew what she was getting herself into, marrying into a family of prophets that have the jump anointing, and we don't necessarily have to plan everything. We're just like, God, if you're doing this, let's flow with the wind of the Spirit and just do it. But I will tell you this, it's going to be, I think, 12 years. I was trying to figure out last night, but I think it's 12 years of marriage this December, my wife and I have grown so incredibly much, and I have understood and learned how to flow and function and help my wife grow as the, as the, as the head of my household and the spiritual authority over my house with someone who's completely opposite of me. And sometimes I feel like I can't relate to the way that, that, they're th- that she's thinking. God has shown me, yeah, all the men are chuckling in here. You know it's not just me. This is real. This is life. But you learn how to because you, you're in covenant with someone, because you love someone, and because this is the covenant and the agreement that you've made, you learn how to do things for someone even though they're completely opposite of you. You learn how to hear from God and help them grow in an area that you don't even understand why they're like that. So to me, it's the same way in God, and I feel like it's something like this morning. If yeah, y'all, y'all have heard, and he's got the book on the Song of Solomon. It's all about the, 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 the bride of Christ. Did you know that, that uh, ladies in here, you are called and ref- referred to in the Bible as the sons of God? Did you know that? There's points that that are happening. Did you know men in here, you are referred to as the bride of Christ? And there's something that it, some of these things don't quite make sense, but it's from a foundation of love and passion that transcend what transcends what we've done, and I'll just speak about men right now, what we've done with men in our culture to be macho, to be tough. We say, suck it up, don't cry, don't show your emotions, don't be tender. If you're going to be strong, you have to be strong and hide your feelings so you don't show that you're hurting to your spouse or your family or other ones. I believe there's a real grip and there's a real thing within our culture, within men, that has to do with a macho spirit that is totally and completely um, contrary to Jesus and being molded and transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. So I'm just saying these things to kind of prepare you for this because I feel like God wants you to understand some of the gifts and some of the callings and some of the purposes that you have, they will not fit into the box of your personality, but the groom is coming to begin to join things together and saying to his bride, this is the passion that I have for you. This is the love that I have for you. And I love you so much that I'm giving you these gifts and they don't make sense. They don't fit your personality. You know, you may be called as a pastor and some of you say, well, I'm an introvert and the last thing I want to do is be stuck in meetings each and every week with people counseling them and talking to them. And you may say, this isn't a part of my personality, but God's saying, this is who you are. This is your calling that I'm giving to you. I had a phone call from someone in Orlando the other day that was just going through a crazy situation. And in the prophetic, and this is in here, and I'm going to get to these seven Ps. Please, someone remind me. I'm going to look at these notes in just a minute. Um, 
my my pastor friend called me and was just talking about all these things that they're going through. Well, and they're not a pastor. I'm sorry. My friend, who uh, is really an evangelist, is who they are, and called me up and was like, Paul, I just really need prayer. We're going through this. We're facing this. We're going through a lot of warfare right now. It feels like everything's shaking. And I'm like, well, what's new? Who isn't shaking? Who isn't going through warfare right now? This is just something that's just, something is stirring within the body of Christ because it's like this thing keeps coming at everyone, but God's just saying something so completely opposite and different. He wants us to rise up to a new place. But I begin to talk to him, and, and what, what I love about the prophetic, and I've had to learn to love this, what God says and what God has you prophesy and speak to people, what I've seen is nine times out of ten, it is completely contrary to what they want or what they desire or what they understand at that moment. And I'll give you two examples. Number one, with this guy, he's talking about all these problems and all these different things, and I was kind of listening and I kind of wasn't because it was like, this is too many problems. I can't remember all this anyways. I said, um... Let's talk about the solution. What, what, what's God saying? I understand there's problems. There's always these things we're going to face throughout life. There's adversity and these things that want to take you out. You got to focus and you got to do it quickly when you face this stuff is go to the solution. And part of my personality and part of what I've learned to become and working in the business world for years and in ministry in a pastoral and prophetic aspect is you have to be a problem solver. solver. Your person Within you, if you're going to do this and you're going to be in ministry... We call it the Daniel chapter 5 problem-solving anointing where Daniel was able to solve the problem and read the writing and do the thing that nobody else could do. He had an anointing to solve difficult problems. So I told my friend, I said, man, I, I've heard all the negative. Let's talk about the positive and let's get into problem-solving here. I said, number one, the Lord's showing me that he's calling you as a pastor and God's going to open up some doors. It's going to look different than what anyone else has seen. What you're going to do as a pastor is not going to fit in the box of what everyone in your area has been doing. It's going to start out one way, and it's going to grow into another way. And literally, he stops me, and he says, absolutely not will I ever be a pastor. <laughs> I said, okay. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but don't throw the word away. If you got it, maybe put it on the shelf for a little bit, but keep it within your heart. And one day that word, that mantle that God's trying to give you, one day that mantle's going to fit and you're going to wear it. And this is what sparked within me this whole conversation about God's not concerned about your personality and your limitations based on the callings of God. He will look at you and you may think, well, my personality is more like an evangelist. I feel more outgoing. I want to get out there. I want to, I want to evangelize the people. I want to get them within the church, and I want to get them saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I don't want to be a pastor because a pastor, the truth is all you're doing when you become a pastor is putting a big, giant target on your chest to be attacked by everybody. And, you know, it's like everyone has this viewpoint about it. And I, I said to my friend, I said, you know what? It's true. I found one of the hardest things in the church is the jobs that pastors have because it is just, there is things you don't know that you may never know that pastors go through and they still come in and give and serve and they're just some of the most amazing people. But I'm going to get to the seven Ps in a second, but let me give you one more example. And this is, I bring this up about you know, in marriage, how God brings opposites together and iron sharpens iron. And, and God loves just as Jehovah sneaky, he loves to just 
put two people together that are completely opposite so they can be that iron that sharpens iron. It's amazing to me how that is so much like the word of the Lord. When you get the word of the Lord, how it's an instant process of iron sharpening iron because what he speaks is so contrary to the way you may feel or what you see in that moment right there in front of you. I'll give you one more example, and then I'm going to get to the notes. I was in Korea with my father, and if you've ever been to Korea, they are just some of the most amazing people. They are extremely giving. They are extremely kind, extremely polite, and you would never know it, but in truth, within their, their call for their nation, they're called as intercessors and watchmen that stand in the gap for other nations. Um, as we've been there, God's shown, shown us these things and shown us about their culture and their people. But they also, too, of any time I've ever traveled, they will wear you out. From the moment you get off the airplane, really, until the moment that you leave, they will expect you to be ministering or prophesying the entire time. To the point to where we finished meetings and we've gone to our hotel, and one of them followed us to find out where our hotel room was. And at about 11.30 or midnight, somebody comes knocking on the door with a line of 10 Koreans that want a prophetic word. Now... Lord, my dad had to stop me from manifesting that night when they showed up and I'm in my pajamas and I'm getting crawling into bed and they get to the door and they want a word. I'm, you know, I instantly thought, who do they think, you know, this is our, we need some time and these different things. But what God began to show me was so contrary to the way I felt in that moment, because the truth was it showed the desperation that's upon their culture and within their heart. They understand and recognize the gift and the anointing God had placed on our life, and they were so desperate that they set aside all the social norms and said, I'm going to show up at this prophet's hotel room at 1130 at night. So one of the next nights, we were in the service, and there was this man there that looked very well-kept, dressed very nice, and we prophesied to everybody, and somehow I think we, we just missed him within the crowd. So the pastor came up to us afterwards and said, um, there's this, this businessman that would like to speak with you guys. He's in a very desperate situation. Um, and we want you to come minister to him. And we're like, okay, well, well let's, let's go ahead. So in Korea, they want to bless you, but they go so overboard sometimes. They took us afterwards to the nicest, like, six-star hotel at, or, or restaurant at 11 o'clock at night at the top of the hotel that was the most exquisite food and all these just amazing things. And my dad and I looked at each other. I'm like, man, that KFC we saw would have been really nice. We could have gone there and got some fried chicken. Like, we don't have to have all this. But um, we sit down with the man, and I'm just praying and trying to discern really what, what God's saying to him. And uh, we find out that this man is the one of the top people within Korea that owns like the internet company or the, the telecom company or something like that. Like this man is like a billionaire. So we're sitting there with him and uh, I don't like it when people tell me what they're going through before I prophesy to them. I'd really rather you not say anything and let me minister. And then afterwards we can talk about what you're going through. But this guy was just so desperate. Uh, he's just sitting there spilling the beans and his partner Somehow when they set the company up, they didn't set it up the right way, and the guy ended up taking pretty much all the money that was in the account and going over to Japan where there's no extradition laws to bring him back over. So the man basically took every cent and every dime that his partner had, stole it, and went to Japan, and there was nothing he could do to get him out of there. All that money was gone. So what do you do? What do you prophesy to someone that's just lost like, like a couple billion dollars? So I'm sitting there praying, and I'm like, God, you know, 
are you going to, is this, is, are you just going to restore all this? And, you know, is this, is this a word about how you're bringing everything back where he was robbed and all this? And God wouldn't give me anything like that. Literally, I looked at the man and I said, the only thing I hear from you is God cares more about your life than he does your money. And I looked at him and I said, you've been thinking of taking your life. And the man collapsed on the table. And I said, your value and your purpose and who you are is tied up in how much money you had. And God doesn't care about that money. He cares about you and your soul and your purpose. And he could care less if you ever get that money back. He wants you to live and understand who you are. So this is the nature of the word of the Lord that is sharper than any two-edged sword Let's put it this way. Don't be surprised and try and fit the word of the Lord into the box of what you're comfortable with. And don't get a word of the Lord from someone. And here's one way to match the word of the Lord and gauge. What, what, what's, what's spoken through Revelation through a prophet will always line up with the written word of the Lord. If you get a prophetic word that does not line up with the written word of the Lord, you need to speak with someone and you need to kind of get some wisdom on how to work through that because something is off in the midst of it. But let me share with you, and I'm getting to the notes after 20 minutes here. I'm going to get to the seven Ps of the prophetic. I want to just lightly touch on um, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 1. And this is just, I'm going to kind of pick and choose through it, but it's basically Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. And this is the, the NIV version. But all of us have heard this, but I want to touch on this for a minute. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Like a blowing wind of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each and every one of them. And let me skip through this a little bit here, but... If I read the whole thing, y'all, I know, I feel it, y'all got the gist of this, but basically the first time the Holy Spirit shows up, shows up as a rushing wind into this room of those that were told to sit there and wait for something, but they didn't really know what it was. So what happened after the, the Holy Spirit showed up, they began to speak in other tongues, and what always amazed me is I feel like this is the standard of the Holy Spirit that can be summed up into the standard that he set the first time he showed up on the scene. They begin to speak in tongues so loud, so passionately, so fiery, that people that were out there, they're in an upper room, people that were, I can't even imagine, people that were outside, there was a great crowd that began to gather around the building. They started saying, what are they, drunk? Have they been drinking up there? What's going on? So to me, let me just touch this real quick. The, 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 the standard of the Holy Spirit's operation through our lives, I don't see how it should ever be any different than the standard that was set when he showed up the first time, which was fire, which was passion, which was something that disrupted the whole community. It was so loud. It was unhindered. It was unreserved. They just went for it. And all of us, I'm telling you right now, most of us want to pray in tongues, but half the time we're and we're thinking, does anybody think I'm weird? Does this sound funny? We're trying to 
trying to be quiet and we're trying to be polite, but in reality, the standard is something that is passionate. It doesn't care what other people think. It's a fire and it's an all-consuming fire. So one of the things I felt like God wanted me to stir within the inside of you tonight is stop waiting for someone else to come lay hands on you or prophesy over you in order for you to rise up with passion and a fire on the inside of you. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be the one that lights the fire and stops putting the responsibility on waiting someone else to come light the fire on the inside of you. So let's go to this explanation real quick. Towards the end of it, at the very end of that, I lost which one this is, but um, where Peter basically gives an explanation of what's, what's happening there. It's, uh, okay, it's Acts chapter 1 and 2. This is what it says. Jesus ascends to heaven. He leaves them with the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, they were gathered in the upper room, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. The people that saw them thought they were drunk. Peter then begins to explain what has happened and quotes the prophet Joel. So this is his, his explanation. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall, and you, you, you read this last night. It, it, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. How many of you are flesh in here? <laughs> Anybody? Show me your hand. If you're, if you're flesh in here, that the Holy Spirit, okay, everybody, there's one person. I won't point them out, but they're not flesh in this room. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Let me stop there for just a second. How many daughters are in here? Ladies, you are called to prophesy. I will apologize on behalf of men within the church that have limited women in the ministry and tried to say you don't have a vital role in releasing the word of the Lord. Because according to the prophet Joel and repeated by Peter as he gave this explanation of the Holy Spirit, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So if you're a woman in here too, men... There's this standard. Men are going to prophesy, but let me say it and let's set the standard. Let, let's set it straight in this room and in this territory. You women, you daughters shall begin to prophesy. Uninhibited by what's happened within the church that has tried to, to, to limit women in prophesying or hearing the word of the Lord. I've been to churches that have said women can't prophesy. And I said, well, have you read Joel chapter 2 verse 28? Have you read what the prophet Joel prophesied about that said your sons and your daughters shall prophesy? Do you got it? Do you believe it? Most, if you're a woman, show me your hands in here if you believe that you're called to prophesy. Okay. I feel, I feel okay moving on. I believe you that you're being honest. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Now, I was going to speak all about this, but I can't top what Prophet John did with this last night. It was absolutely incredible what he said about this and gave that representation. So let me give you a few of the P's here. Um, number one, if you want to write this down, I'll try and get through all seven. God's voice is purposeful. The purpose is the reason that something exists. And here's one of the aspects of the prophetic is most of the time when you receive a prophetic word, um, it's going to confront the areas in your life where you're, you're in a place of wilderness wondering, where you don't have vision, you don't have understanding. One of the purposes of the prophetic is that it, it in and of itself is purposeful. And when it begins to come forth within your spirit, you begin to discover what your purpose is through receiving the word of the Lord. 
Does that make sense? One of the things that drives me crazy within the midst of the church is going from place to place uh, and experiencing so many people that have no, they, 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 they're a part of a church, they, they, they worship, but they have no idea of the purpose of why God put them here specifically within the midst of the church. And I believe that over this next decade, we're going to see, and God's been showing me this, we're going to see one of the biggest breaking of the mindsets of people that don't understand their purpose and wander around aimlessly to where people are going to begin to break this wilderness wandering type thing. And there's been a mindset of, you know what, if I'm around Prophet John, I feel that I'm successful before God because I'm just associated with this man. He's so anointed, and, and uh, Prophetess Meliana, they're so anointed that if I just come and listen to them every once in a while, then somehow before God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So there's been such a mindset that because we're connected to certain people that are anointed, we feel somehow that before God, we're functioning in our gifts and our callings. And when in reality, it's not. When in reality, what we really do is if we need a breakthrough, we go to others and we wait for others that have been through processes, which in one sense, this is good. In another sense, I think it passes the responsibility off from us to leaders within the midst of the church. And you know what's hard is sometimes when leaders teach that they're the only ones that have the anointing and the power and the authority to, to begin to deal and confront when in reality we're called to Ephesians 4.11 that says to teach, train, and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So as a leader, if God's given me something and I don't know how to give that to you to where I can preach it but then show you how to do this yourself, then I'm not doing something right. If we come to church and we put the responsibility on the leaders and the elders and the pastors and everyone else to establish God's kingdom, we're missing the bigger picture of the purpose of God within the midst of the church. The responsibility, and this is why so many pastors, and, and Prophet John talked about this last night, about getting worn out with, with, with some people. If you don't see this the right way, one of the things that can really wear out pastors is people that refuse to rise up and get healed and get whole and really listen to the word of the Lord and step into their place of membership ministry within the body of Christ, they're more comfortable complaining and trying to have someone counsel them through 5,000 times on the same issue. At some point, you got to break through and you got to rise up and say, you know what? I am going to get counsel from the leaders within my life. There's going to be revelation and there's going to be wisdom that comes through the delegated authority that God's placed in my life. But at some point, I've got to take what they're saying and what they're encouraging me to do, and I got to get up and go out and do it. Because every single person in this room, whether you know it or see it or not, no matter if you're young or old or in between, you, as long as there's breath in your lungs, there is a purpose for your life here on earth. And I love what Prophet John talked about last night about retiring and different things. And I talked with a friend a while back, and I understood this so well. But there was actually studies done that said when people got to a certain age and they decided to retire, that was the moment they began to die. When they went from a place of... Now, come on, if you've retired in here, I'm not going to look you in the eyes. I'm not trying to call you out in here, but I am trying to challenge you as a prophet and say, in God and in God's kingdom, you will never retire. As long as your lungs are filling with air, you have a purpose and you have a destiny. As a matter of fact, I've never told this story once, but about five years ago, I was actually with David. I took him with me to minister at a church over in uh, Santa Maria, and it was the church that uh, Paul Kane went to, the healing rooms with um, Rick and Lori Taylor. Uh, we went and ministered there, and um, I didn't even know when we went out there that, that um, 
this was a church that that Paul Cain was a uh, a part of. And honest to God, like I I never knew much about Paul Cain. I never knew anything he'd been through. I didn't know the reputation he had or didn't had or anything. I went in there kind of blind as this this is just another man that somehow I've heard he's a prophet. And I'm sorry. I know a lot of people were impacted and a lot of things went on throughout his ministry. But when God put me before him, the only thing I could look at him and say is God's telling me that as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's a purpose for your life. You've laid some things down. God wants you to pick it back up. You're still breathing, so there's still a purpose. So that in and of itself is one of the P's of the prophetic is God's word is purposeful. Man, and if you don't like people challenging, you don't get around a prophet. I live in a family of about eight prophets that are the strongest, most opinionated, most in-your-face prophets. You cannot imagine what our family meetings are like. I work in family ministry that is my mother, my father, my wife, me, my brother, um, my niece, and her husband, and uh, my sister's husband, and every single one of us are prophets. And every single one of us have to learn when to pull that sword out and when to put that sword away. But let me get to the next P. I won't go down that road, but let me get to the next one. Um, Man, I just pulled it all the way down. So, well, on this, on this first one, let me, let me give you this real quick. God's word is purposeful, and that's point number one. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. So, in, in, in the short sense of this, one of the P's of the prophetic, how God's word is purposeful, this says right here, where there is no what? Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. In another translation, it says, where there is no revelation, people wander around aimlessly. Not knowing what they're doing. Not knowing what they were created to do. So the truth is, if you want to look at it, the scripture, maybe you can help me with this, Prophet John. the scripture that says, um, believe my prophets and you will prosper and believe my, I've, it's, here's what it's tied to. Here's First Chronicles 20, and I'm glad he's here. Because I don't even have it written down, I can't remember. But believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be established, and believe my prophets, and you will prosper. So literally, biblically, your prosperity is tied to a prophet within your life. Now hear me. Hear me when I say this. This is based off of this script, that scripture in Chronicles and this scripture right here that says where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So literally in the kingdom of God, connecting with prophets, connecting with the revelation and being trained as a prophet is tied to the prosperity that God's going to begin to bring in your life as you receive a purpose for your life through the revelation that's given. Now, the one of the things I love about this is the prosperity is also, we believe too, you're, 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 you're a sheep that hears God's voice. So what you hear in the revelation you receive personally from God is tied to your purpose beginning to grow and beginning to be stirred within the midst of your life. So God's word is personal. That's point number two. God's word is personal. God has something personal to say to you. God knows us, he knows our heart, and he knows us, our life. God will make himself real to us through a personal prophecy. 
Now, this is one of the things I love about the prophetic is a lot of the times when you prophesy, someone receives the word of the Lord and in, in, in your eyes, right before your eyes, you see God become real to someone right then and there. Because through you, who knows nothing about that other person, that person knows that you know nothing about them and you just met them, you will see face-to-face someone begin to believe in God and believe his word right there in front of you. So God's word is extremely personal. When he speaks to you, he's pulling you in with his word saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, you have a place, you belong, you're no longer on the outside, you're on the inside, and I want to make this personal with you. Now, point number three is God's voice is positive. Now, this can go a lot of different ways because I've experienced a lot of this. And the truth is a lot of people that don't believe in the prophetic were just, were just hurt by someone who abused what they call the prophetic. I met with, um, did any of y'all listen to contemporary Christian music in here? Like, like on Sirius XM? I mean, honest to God, I don't too much. I listen to a lot of worship and things like that. But God opened up the door for us to prophesy over Danny Gokey and Mandisa, who were traveling on tour with, with, with Toby Mac. And how many of you heard of Mandisa? A few of you? Amazing. I'd never heard her music before, before going to the conference, but, or the concert that they had. But they did their whole concert, and afterwards their manager brought us to the back. And I sat down before Mandisa, and I... I said, uh, you know, do you understand what prophecy is? And she looked at me, and I was not ready for this. She said, let me tell you something. My only experience with prophecy and prophets is, is that they hurt people, and they abuse their power. They abuse something. And she said, so I'm not ready. I don't know if I'm ready for this right now. And I said, well, do you trust Jesus? And she said, well, yes, yes, I, I love him. And I said, can you somehow by faith, if you trust him and, and the person who put me before you, that's somebody that you trust, you know, I don't think they would put me in front of you and us, our team in front of you, if, if we weren't had some level of trustworthiness. So long story short, we begin to prophesy over her and the woman broke wide open. She starts bawling. She starts crying. She gets on the phone while we're prophesying to her. And I'm like, yo, we're prophesying to you. Why are you getting on the phone? Like you said, turn that phone off, girl. But she's calling her drummer, her bass player, her tour manager, her stage lighting assistant, and saying, get up right now. You have to come up here and receive the word of the Lord. So God's voice is positive. That is the innate nature of it. If you distance yourself from the prophetic, or the prophetic movement, or prophets, because you've experienced someone that abused that title, I am sorry that that happened to you, but it is not okay to reject the true prophets and what God is really doing just because someone used it for their own benefit and their own good. So if you're in here and you've been hurt by the prophetic, by revelation, by someone that abused it, just take a minute in your heart while I'm speaking and allow God to touch your heart. Because as long as that's within the inside of you, what's going to happen in here is you're going to hear my words, but you're not going to do a thing with what God's saying by the Spirit. 
It stunts your growth until you can just begin to be healed and receive the healing so you can grab a hold. Because if the scripture says it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. The short story I shared on Thursday night about the boy that had the mental illness, and I just didn't know when in my mind I was wrestling, saying, God, how's he going to receive this? He can't even barely talk. He doesn't understand. But then God told me and said, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. I'm like, that's it. This is what this is all about. It's from God's spirit to our spirit to your spirit, and it bypasses your mind of what makes sense, and it does a work on the inside of you that then begins to grow. That's what I'm talking about in here. And let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, that was the third point. God's, God's voice is positive. This is very positive. If you read this, it says God's prophecies speak edification and exhortation and comfort to men. But let's look at this for a second. What God sees is positive, and sometimes what we see as positive may not be the same thing. We look at this, and it feels very good, saying, well, he's going to exhort us, he's going to edify us, and he's going to comfort us. Don't you think that God could use a prophet to bring deliverance over your life, and it's not going to feel comfortable? But once you get through the process of being delivered or confronting that thing that God is saying, that it's going to lead to your comfort? So does this, this does not mean that God has muzzled prophets to stay away from very real issues and to begin to prophesy to things that people may manifest once they hear it. That God's word is positive, and it's so positive that he loves you so much, it's proven from the scripture that says he chastises those who he loves. So the prophetic, oh my gosh, if there's one thing that's been proven since I've been a part of this, it is so confrontational in a way that God just loves. I don't know if I've ever seen a prophetic word be given to someone that didn't confront something in them that may have been off a little bit here or off a little bit there. And just because by your emotions and your soul and your mind will or your emotions, it may have hurt or it may stung a little bit. It doesn't mean that God's true purpose isn't in it is it that it isn't positive because he wants to, you know, the truth will set you free, but it may hurt at first. That's what I'm trying to say. You may go through a process of deliverance, and that sword may cut just a little bit, but you know what? It's going to set you free, and it's going to show you that in the end, the true purpose of prophecy is to exhort, to edify, and to comfort, but it may hurt a little bit in the process before you feel the good exhortation or the good comfort that comes from the word that was given. So I have all these other ones, but I've got a few minutes, and I want to try and get through all seven. Say, you're going to do it, Paul. You're going to do it. Y'all don't believe in me. If you did, all of y'all would have encouraged me right there. You're going to do it, Paul. You're going to get to all seven. <laughs> Thank you. So God doesn't speak issues to shame us. And this is one thing I don't like. And this is how you have to understand that the scripture says that you, you have to marry wisdom with revelation. That wisdom without revelation is dangerous. Revelation without wisdom is dangerous. And this is what I've seen as the number one issue that causes the hurt or the pain within the prophetic movement is somebody has wisdom and a slight bit, maybe a slight bit of revelation, but they deliver it in such a way that it tears down and it doesn't build up. And I've seen it on the other side where somebody has the revelation, they have the passion and they have the zeal and they get up there and they give that word, but they have zero wisdom on how to give that word. So it ends up tearing someone down and breaking them down and segregating them and pushing them away from God versus drawing them closer to God. 
So if you want to write that down as a gold nugget to live by, marry wisdom and revelation within the prophetic. Jeremiah 29, 11, and this, everyone has heard this. If you haven't heard this, I'm amazed if you haven't heard this. But this is a part of the point three where God's, God's voice is positive. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I can't ever read this scripture without thinking of abortion and how much it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy that people say that, that it's not a child at the moment of conception because he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I gave you a purpose. I knew your future. Okay, I won't go there, but I'm pa- I just, it, it drives me nuts every time because this proves it right here. This, this is the word. Okay, point four. Point four is God's voice is practical. Look at your neighbor and say, God's voice is practical. It helps give you direction. It doesn't mean you have to do it all at once. It means it gives you the steps to take. Learn to prioritize the word of the Lord. His voice is practical and shouldn't be overwhelming. And let me give you a quick example. I've been at the same church basically for 30 years since I was about six or seven years old. And I don't even know how many prophetic words I've been given. It's in the hundreds, if not the thousands, throughout these years, traveling different places, being within a prophetic church where everyone prophesies within the church. That can be a little, little bit overwhelming that where do you start? Where you're receiving so much, you're doing so. There's so much revelation coming to you personally from God and from others that are coming to you and giving you revelation. Where do you start? But the truth is, when you work this process with the Holy Spirit, it's very practical on how he can help you prioritize your prophetic words. Here's just a key that I'll give you in this and how his voice is practical. When you receive his word, you have to fight. Do not become overwhelmed at what you're hearing. Because like I said earlier, most of the time what's prophesied to you is totally contrary to the way that you feel. But God doesn't necessarily care because he may see the brokenness. He may see the unbelief. But his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when that word goes forth, it begins to create life on the inside of you. But he will practically and through the power of the Holy Spirit help you begin to walk out the practical steps to take. And we always teach within protocol within our church and as we train people, your journey in the prophetic and stepping into revelation and operating in the prophetic, you have to be submitted to God's delegated authority that he's placed within your life. I fully believe, and if I had time, I could prove this to you through scripture, that God has designated leaders that he sees fit to place over your life that is his delegated authority to stand with you and have the wisdom and understanding of how to help you grow in the gifts that God has given you. And I love what Prophet John talked about last night with isolation and what begins to happen with it because it was about two months ago, God started working this with me and I started meeting with all these people that were isolated, they were hurt, they were offended and they pulled back. And the the principle we've always talked about is it's the banana that separates itself from the bunch that gets peeled and eaten. Think about it. I mean, think about it. That's what isolation does. The moment you step away from the bunch, you begin to be, you begin to be peeled and eaten. 
So one of the ways that the fulfillment and understanding that God's voice is practical is it's going to take those around about you in their faith, their wisdom, their understanding, their knowledge in order to help you begin to fulfill the word that you've received. There is no Lone Ranger prophets and there's no Lone Ranger saints that say, this is mine, this is what God's given me. I don't need anybody else to fulfill this. I'm strong enough or powerful enough to do it on my own. In fact, that's totally contrary to Scripture because the Scripture says for us to bear one another's burdens and we have to come together to begin to fulfill the word of the Lord because, my gosh, if there's one thing I know is God puts people in your life, number one, first and foremost, from my experience, is they see things that you have blind spots, whether you know it or not, where you don't see the full picture of it or you don't have the full understanding of it. So if you try to interpret it on your own, you're going to do it with that blinder or that blind spot. But if you're not connected to those ones that God has placed in your life to say, hold on, God's saying that, but you're not seeing this right here. It just shows that importance. But let me move on. God's word is partial. First Corinthians, well, let me repeat it. That's point five. God's word is partial. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse nine. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now here is one of the most dangerous things. When you're in the prophetic and God's training you and he's stirring you, this is one of the ways I've seen so many people stumble and fall. Um, if I prophesy, tell me your name again. Jerry, if I prophesy over you, which I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do right this second. I may do it later, but if I prophesy over you, I'm going to give you something, and it's the, the fullness of what God has given me, but in truth, it's partial to the entire picture. So nine times out of ten, if I prophesy to you, there's a good chance you're going to come to me a little bit later and say, well, that didn't quite make sense. What do you think about this? You know, I kind of understood, and, and it's going to be a critiquing that begins to happen. Where witchcraft enters in is if I look at you, and because I gave you a real thing, and I'm seeing that identified in you, that you're saying what you said was real, was prophesied, it was real, what's the fullness of it? Or witchcraft could enter in is out of the flesh or natural assessment of you or a limited knowledge of you that I try to piece things together and try to give you the fullness that God didn't give me. So one of the most dangerous things is when you start to prophesy, people will pull on you saying, I don't understand. I need more. I need the bigger picture. You give what God gives you and don't work in witchcraft and try to naturally assess something to give the rest of it. Just because you, you'll feel the desperation on Jerry. You'll feel him saying, gosh, I love that word and it was powerful, but I can't do anything with it until I know more about it. Give me the rest of it. Man, people are going to pull on your emotions. They're going to pull on your soul. But I'm telling you in the prophetic, give what God gives you. And if there is not more, do not open your mouth and try and make it up. Because then you're entering into witchcraft. So God's word is partial and that's okay. And one reason why I love it is because, Jerry, if God had me prophesy the whole picture, you might get too comfortable. You might say, well, I got it figured out now. And you have no need for God or the Holy Spirit. You're left with his word, but you're left void of them. 
When God prophesies and he gives you part of the picture, it should stir up a hunger on the inside of you that draws you closer to him that says, I've got to know the rest. Holy Spirit, give me your hand and I'm not going to let go of you until you may have shown me a little bit, but I've got to see the full picture. I've got to establish the full picture and I'm not going to rest until I fulfill the fullness and understand the fullness. So when you prophesy what you're doing, if it draws people closer to you and further away from God, you stop what you're doing and walk away. But if you're prophesying and that draws people closer to God and it bursts a hunger within them saying, I got to get closer to him to grab the fullness of this, then you stop what you're doing and go grab a hold of God and move forward. So number six, there's a protocol to hearing the voice of the Lord. So this P, which is number six of seven, is there's a protocol to hearing the voice of the Lord. And I'll just do this very quickly. We cannot use the word of the Lord to further our own agenda. Let me repeat it. For those of you that are writing this down. We cannot use the word of the Lord to further our own agenda. Do you know I've seen people go to other people and say, the Lord has told you you're to be my husband or you are to be my wife. Lord, help. I'm not going to get into that. Submit your word to your covering so you don't fall into the trap of interpreting your word according to your own wants or to your desires. I will. Submit your word to your covering so you don't fall into the trap of interpreting your own prophetic words according to your own wants or to your own desires. War with your prophetic words. Now, just real quick, because we're going to take a break here in a couple minutes. Your prophecy in and of itself is conditional. When we prophesy over you, that word goes from us, from God to us to you. It is now your word and your responsibility. You may come back and say, well, what you prophesied a couple years ago didn't come to pass. Well, what did you do with it? Did you pray over that? Did you rise up in faith? Did, did, a, did you see the seed that God planted within your spirit? Did you put water on it every day through prayer and supplication and petitioning God? Did you go to authority and help try and get different perspectives on ways that you can step out? So you have to, to, to realize prophecy is conditional on your obedience and your faith to take that word and see the word fulfilled. Okay, last one. God's voice is powerful. The seventh P of the seven P's of the prophetic. God's voice is powerful. Somebody look at your neighbor and say it. God's voice is powerful. God's voice has the ability to heal you, set you free, and deliver you. The word of the Lord speaks to what is possible with man becoming impossible or becoming possible with God. We all know that scripture, that with man it's impossible. Within God all things are possible. Psalms chapter 29 verses 4 through 8. Oh, I love this one. Psalms chapter 29, verses 4 through 8. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also split like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Mm. 
His word is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even asunder the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. Now, I want you to stand with me real quick, and then we're going to take a break. Lord, I declare right now that this just isn't another day of teaching and learning, but this is a day of shaking. This is a day of stepping out of the comfort zone. This is a day of discovering purpose. This is a day of fulfilling a revelation within the midst of our hearts that begins to bring a purpose for our life, a purpose for our future. Lord, even today, as I feel in the spirit, as we're, we're talking about this, there's been a confrontation of hopelessness that some have looked at their life and said, I don't have any vision for the future. I don't have any vision for the call of God on my life. Lord, I declare right now, that those in this room that have had a lack of vision and somehow within their hearts they're beginning to perish, within their vision to the future they're beginning to perish. Lord, by the Spirit, or it says not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your Spirit. So by your Holy Spirit in this room today, I declare and decree and prophesy that not one person is going to be stuck in this room without a vision and a hope for the future. Lord, I declare right now where there's been confusion and even in here today there's some things that I said Lord I heard it ring in the spirit that it was a confrontation in the spirit Lord I declare that there's sons and daughters in this room that are going to begin to marry wisdom with revelation and God they're going to begin to desire the true ways of your heart they're going to rise up and say you know what I'm a saint within the kingdom of God I'm a son or daughter and I belong within God's kingdom so I'm not going to sit back while others rise up and they're purpose and calling, but I'm not going to rest until I understand who I've been called to be. I'm not going to sleep until I understand why you placed me here on the uh, on this earth. Lord, I break the power of the wilderness wandering of those who have been wandering in the wilderness saying, I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. Lord, where they've confided in a man to receive the fullness of it and not the fullness of you as Jehovah God, our provider. Lord, the one who will never leave us and never forsake us. I declare right now that, Lord, they're connecting to that source of the Holy Spirit that's going to bring the vision and the purpose for the future, Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Praise God. And, Lord, right now we seal the word. Hallelujah. We accept that prophetic. We accept that application. Lord, we accept that impartation, and we seal the word right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's take five minutes, and when we come back, it's just going to get gooder and gooder.